Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Hello, and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. This is your host, Hal Elrod. And uh, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for tuning in and listening. I really, really appreciate it. And I think you'll be glad that you did. I I know I've said that in the past because I always, of course, try to give you my best. But today's episode, I think, is really going to be valuable for you because we're going to talk about how do you get yourself to do what you need to do even when you don't feel like it. I call that outer freedom, the ability to do the things that will produce the results that you want in your life even if you don't feel like doing them and you're not motivated. How do you get yourself to do the things? Because if you do the things that will produce the results in your life, then you have outer freedom. You can create the circumstances that you want in your life. We're also going to talk about how do you create inner freedom? Now, inner freedom is something I've talked about for like a year and a half, but I keep getting how I get what it is. Like I really want to be able to choose how I experience every moment of my life, but like I need more practical steps. And so today I'm going to walk you through seven questions. They're really steps in the form of questions that will make it so that you can quickly, if not immediately, access the inner freedom that you were born with. You were born with. So really, really good episode uh, today that I think you're going to get a lot out of. Before we jump into that, of course, I have two sponsors that I want to tell you about and I want to thank because they make this show possible. And they are two companies that are owned and operated by two of my good friends. Number one is Organifi. And if you want to optimize your health, if you want to have more energy, more mental clarity, just be healthier in general, get sick less, strengthen your immune system to fight off viruses and other pathogens, highly recommend checking out Organifi. They make the highest quality nutritional products, which are made from whole food ingredients, not synthetic vitamins, which are what most of, I'm talking like 90 9%, I mean, most vitamins that you order on Amazon or buy in the store are made from synthetic vitamins and preservatives and chemicals and fillers, and Organifi is none of that. They come in really convenient powders, whether it's the protein powder or the green juice or the red juice, and you can pour them into your smoothie or just a glass of water or anything in between. Uh, Your favorite cocktail, I don't know if that would lend itself to your health, but uh, but anyway, and, uh, and you'll get a boost of health. Go to Organifi.com forward slash Hal, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, Organifi with an I, dot com forward slash Hal, and then use the code Hal, H-A-L, at checkout to get 15% off your entire order. I hope you find something there that you love. And then last but not least, my good friend Chandler Bolt, who I've known for many, many years. He's the founder of Self Publishing School, and Self Publishing School has enabled hundreds of members of the Miracle Morning community and thousands of just people in general, to write and publish their first book, even if they didn't know what they were going to write about. Like Chandler teaches you how to go from blank page to published author in as little as 90 days. In fact, we have a webinar on that today. But anyway, the point is, if you want to write a book, again, even if you're afraid and you're nervous and you're not sure what to write about, don't worry about any of that, right? Just take the first step, dip your toe in the water, 
And uh, if you want to write a book, whether it's to you know grow your business or leave a legacy for your family, your children, to create a passive stream of income, there are so many benefits to writing a book, to change people's lives with your knowledge, your story. Head over to self-publishingschool.com forward slash how. Again, that's self-publishingschool.com forward slash how. And Chandler will help you turn your dream of writing a book into a reality. Uh, without further ado, let's talk about how you can achieve both outer and inner freedom to truly live and love the life that you have. Hello, my family, my friends. What's going on? It's Hal Elrod. And uh, today is going to be just a friendly conversation, albeit one-sided since I, I can't hear you talking back to me. But yeah, just kind of casual. You know, I, I actually, I, I had a, a podcast planned for today that I've been working on for the last week called Who Can You Trust? And it was uh, about mainstream media and the government and the different sources that we are getting our information from and assessing how trustworthy those sources might be. You know, pharmaceutical industry, for example, that's telling us, you know, this uh, drug or that drug is safe when they have a history of paying out billions of dollars for deceit, lying, et cetera. So I had this, I had this podcast plan. I was really anxious to record it, anxious in a in a nervous kind of way, because it's it's you know it's kind of a controversial topic. And as I uh, as I got closer to today, I started to record it, and I just I just stopped. I went, you know what? It just it doesn't feel right. I don't feel ready to uh, to go down that path. So. Then I just took a breath and I reset and I thought, what do I get asked the most? What, what do people ask me the most? And it's been the same thing. Well, the general question has been the same for years. When I ask people what they're struggling with or what I get asked help with is how I know what to do, but I don't know how to get myself to do it. Whether it's the miracle morning, I know I should do the miracle morning, but I don't get myself to wake up in the morning. Or I know I should go to the gym. I know I should exercise, but I just can't get myself to do it. I know I should stop drinking soda, but gosh, I love soda, right? I know I should do this or I know I shouldn't do that, but I don't know how to get myself to do it. So that's the general theme of one of the biggest struggles that I think people have. And, you know, I've taken it for granted for whatever reason I've, for most of my life, at least since I was probably about 19, I've been able to get myself to do what I need to do even when I don't feel like it. And that's for sure not 100% of the time. There's absolutely certain activities and times and things that I procrastinate on and that I, I don't consistently don't do. But for the most part, that, that's been a, uh, an area of my life, the discipline to follow through, that's actually been stronger than I've even realized at times. At the, in the moment, I would think I was lazy, but then I look back and I go, wow, I actually got myself to, to take a lot of action. So that's the general question or, or challenge that a lot of us face. Specifically, what I've been uh, asked about recently is the topic that I've been discussing for the last year, year and a half, which is uh, inner freedom, right? The, the ability to choose how you experience any given moment, the ability to, to just choose how you want to feel. So the point is, people have asked me how I get the concept and Gosh, you know, there may be nothing more that I want than to have that ability, but I don't know how to do it. 
you know, you talk about it, you share it. I understand what it is. You've given some tips and I've, I've kind of tried and, and failed, but I, mean, I can't figure out how to get myself to do what I want to do, to feel how I want to feel. And so I want to speak to that. I want to speak to the, both of those. How do you get yourself to do what you need to do, even when you don't feel like it? And how do you get yourself to feel how you want to feel even when it might be coming naturally to you, all right? So how do you get yourself to do what you need to do and feel what you need to feel? And really, those are different ways. Like that, That's really a way of, of assessing what I would call outer freedom and inner freedom, right? Outer freedom is essentially the ability to get yourself to do what you need to do when you need to do it in order to create the results, the outcomes, the circumstances that you want in every aspect of your life, right? Your health, your finances, your relationships, your emotional well-being, your spirituality, contribution, etc. So outer freedom is the ability to, to actually do, move your body, do the things that will produce the results that you want. And then that inner freedom is the ability to get yourself to feel what you want to feel in any given moment, to choose how you experience each moment of your life, which largely determines whether you're happy or not, right? You're, you know, how you feel about your life at any given moment. So how do we do these? How do we take control of our actions and, and what we do or don't do so they're in alignment with our highest aspirations so we can experience outer freedom? And how do we feel the way that we want to feel so that we can experience inner freedom. So let's talk about those things today. So we'll start with outer freedom. Outer freedom, uh, that was that was more, as I mentioned earlier, getting myself to do what I needed to do when I needed to do it, even if I didn't feel like it. I've been able to do that for a while. So I think outer freedom I figured out first. And a part of that was uh, from my mentor when I was 19 and I started in sales with Cutco. My mentor, Jesse, gave me a lot of little hacks and tricks and kind of taught me how to figure out getting myself to do the things that I didn't feel like doing. And so, for example, back then, it was, uh, if you're in sales, the way at least I was, the industry that I was in, it was making cold calls to people. Actually, warm calls, I guess. They were referral calls. So it's calling people that I was referred by somebody else. And here's the deal. Calling people that you don't know, facing the prospect of rejection, there's a fear to that, right? There's a, it's a discomfort, it's a fear. And typically, whenever we're faced with doing something that is either uncomfortable or we have a fear around it, that is what causes procrastination. It's simply a matter of, is it uncomfortable in some way to do this thing I need to do? Yes, it is. So I'd rather not do it. So therefore, I will put it off until another time. In fact, today's podcast is exactly that. I mentioned to you that originally the intention was this a controversial podcast in some ways. And I might, I will probably record that podcast at a future date when I feel like I've, I just don't feel like I've, I've got my thoughts and my research and my data and everything in order to, which is what I discovered as I started recording. And I'm like saying things that are like kind of, uh, this is sort of what I found out through my research. And it's like, man, I need to give some, some, uh, you know, I need to give some more hard data if I'm going to make these points. So anyway, the point is, um, because I didn't feel prepared and it was uncomfortable to record that podcast, today's Friday. I, I tried to record that podcast on Wednesday. I had time scheduled. I started recording it and uh, I just, I was like, no, 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 I'll wait till tomorrow. 
Then Thursday came, put it off, put it off, put it off, and waited till today. And then today, actually started this morning, recorded a little bit, didn't feel good about it, stopped, went out, worked in my yard, uh, got a break, came back, tried again, and then, you know, and then now we're here. So if there's something in your life that is uncomfortable, then that is what caused it. Typically, that is the cause of procrastination. And if it's something that you fear, fear is a form of discomfort, right? It's not comfortable to do the thing that you're afraid of. So what I've found is to get yourself to do the things that you don't feel like doing, there's there's a few steps, if you will. I don't know that these are necessarily even in order. They're more just kind of tips or tricks or hacks or strategies or techniques to get yourself to take action. And so this is what has really worked for me in the past. The first thing is to have total clarity, right? To total clarity. And, and don't miss, if any of this sounds like, yeah, you've heard that before. No, no, no. <laughs> this is crucial. You need to have clarity on what you are going to do, how you are going to do it, and when you are going to do it, right? The more clarity you have over the action that you need to take, even if it's uncomfortable or there's fear involved, there's more fear when you're not exactly sure how you're going to do it, right? Lack of clarity produces fear. Because if you're not clear on what you need to do, then you're going to feel uncomfortable trying to even get started when you don't even know what you're going to do. Now, to be clear or to be fair, in the big picture, there's a lot of things that you have to start without fully knowing how the journey is going to play out, right? Whenever you're starting something new, you've got to just, sometimes you got to just start and figure it out along the way, build your wings on the way down. So there is, yes, there is that. But for example, when I'll just go back to the when I was in sales, I got really clear that I was going to make 20 phone calls a day, five days a week, no matter what. And the first secret of success, I believe, in, in getting yourself to do what you need to do is to be committed to the action or committed to the process without being emotionally attached to your results. I wrote about this in the Miracle Equation, right? To be, And I used to teach this in speeches and it would like revolutionize my, my colleagues' approach to how they did things, which is to define the process, right? For me, it was 20 phone calls a day. For you, it might be eating a salad every day or not drinking soda or going to the gym or exercising or spending time with your kids or whatever it is. Think about the things that you know you need to do, but you're just not doing them, right? So once you have clarity on what that is, that action is, or process, let me explain the difference real quick. So an action, right? An individual action is exactly what it is. It's doing something in isolation, doing taking an action. A process is a series of actions, and, and sometimes it can be the same action over and over and over and over and over again. Like when I was in sales and making phone calls, I was making 20 calls a day. It was The process was make 20 calls a day, five days a week, right? I wasn't, it wasn't like step one of the process is make a phone call. Step two is organize my, my referrals to call, and then step three is go to the bathroom, and step four is eat a sandwich, right? Like It wasn't different steps to do the thing. It was pick up the phone dial seven numbers, right? Anyway, dial seven numbers and then read my my script, my word for word approach that I had written or was given to me and I had tweaked to try to schedule an appointment with somebody, right? So that was my process. It was very simple. It was very direct. It was very precise. It was the same thing over and over and over and over again. Now, a process, if you're doing, you know, a process could be more complex in terms of if you're going to the gym, for example, and you're doing chest 
and arms on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you're doing back and legs on Tuesday, Thursday, whatever, right? So there's a little bit of varying in your process. So the point being, though, the difference between an action and a process is a process is just a repetitive set of actions. And so when I was writing a book, right, my process involved opening up my computer and writing uh, for, you know, 60 minutes a day, you know, and, and, and I had couple strategies to that is I wasn't allowed to look at the screen. This was a, whenever you find yourself, if you're guilty of editing, here's a little bonus tip for you writers. Uh, if you find yourself guilty of editing while you write and you, it takes you forever to get through any writing, like, you know, you can work on a paragraph for an hour because you keep going, no, no, that's not right. And you're tweaking it. A fellow writer gave me this great idea where uh, he said, no, he said, turn the screen, turn the brightness off on your screen so you can't see the words and then set your timer for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 60 minutes or whatever. And he said, you just have to keep writing and you're not allowed to go back and fix it or correct. He goes, that's how you write for volume. And then you go back and you edit. And that's how writing should be done, right? You just, it's a brain dump. Even if you mess up along the way, it's getting as much out of your head, out of your heart, onto onto paper, onto the screen as you can, and then go back and edit. So anyway, a little bonus tip. So I have this process of my of writing every day. So here's the point though. The, to me, this is like one of the ultimate secrets to success is you commit to the process without being emotionally attached to your results. And see, what causes procrastination very often is that emotional attachment to our results, right? Because there now lies attachment. Now there is a fear of failure or a fear of rejection or a fear of messing it up in some way taking imperfect action, right? There's a fear of that, whereas the reality is imperfect action is the only thing that gets you results because very rarely is our action perfect, right? It's almost always imperfect. If you're playing a sport, right? You're not gonna make every shot that you take. And in life, that's a metaphor for all of life. You're not gonna make every shot. You gotta take imperfect action. You just gotta do the thing and be unattached to the results. And so for me, back when I was in sales, it was, I'm gonna make 20 calls a day and I'm not attached to how many people answer their phone. In the past, I was attached. I would be discouraged if nobody answered the phone, right, naturally. I, I said, I'm not attached to how people treat me on the phone because sometimes people were rude and they're like, don't ever call here again. And they hung up and like leaves this, you know, your pity your stomach. You're like, why would they talk to me? I'm a good person, right? And so a fear of rejection, a fear of all of those things can cause us to delay doing the thing that we need to do. So when you commit to the process and you just make a conscious decision to not be emotionally attached to your results, the process leads to the results. Like, think about that. Every result in your life, every outcome in your life that you want is preceded by either an action or more often than not a process. Because you usually have to do something consistently over an extended period of time to produce meaningful results, right? You don't exercise once. It's not a single action. You don't lift a weight and go, <laughs> look at my arm now. It's huge, right? You don't take your wife on one date or your husband on one date and then, hey, our marriage is transformed. I took her on a date. Again, so it's usually not an isolated action. It's a process. Although a process, of course, is made up of many isolated actions, right? Done repeatedly that produce the result. But think about that. Every result that you want to produce in your life is preceded by a process. So if you think about it, the process is what produces the results, regardless of how your results go on any given day or session or week over an extended period of time. If you commit to the process without being emotionally attached to your results, you eventually 
get where you're trying to go, right? If you commit to writing 100 words a day, regardless of whether or not they're great or not, and you just keep doing that, eventually you're going to have 1,000 words and then 10,000 words and then a 50,000-word book. And then you can go edit it and take your crappy book that you wrote, right? I used to give advice to authors that your goal for your first draft should be just make it crappy. Like that way there's no pressure to make it good. Because if you try to make it good, you're probably never going to finish the book because it's never going to feel as good as you want it to be while you're editing, while you're writing it. So anyway, not to keep giving these examples on writing books, but the point is be emotionally or committed to your process, be committed to your process without being emotionally attached to your results. And so I applied that back then and I would make 20 calls. And when somebody hung up on me and they were like, don't ever call here again, that used to like really affect me emotionally. Now I'm like, sweet, that's the fastest call I can make. On to the next call, on to the next call, on to the next call. And when I finished my 20 calls, no matter how they went, if they were, if I scheduled five appointments or I scheduled zero appointments, if everybody answered or nobody answered, if people were, whatever, it didn't matter. I set, I created new rules for my productivity game that I was playing, right? I need to be productive. I need to make calls. And I was, un, I committed to be unattached to the results. And so after 20 calls, I patted myself on the back. I'm like, hey, good job. I did it. I made my 20 calls. And then I went and I, you know, did whatever was next. I went to an appointment or I went, actually, it was like my daily routine was I laid by the pool every day. I made my calls in the morning and then I laid by the pool for like an hour and relaxed. And so that was my reward. I wasn't allowed to lay by the pool until I made my 20 phone calls for the day. So again, you can apply that to any action or any process that you have in your life, right? You're dating. You want to meet people of the opposite sex and you want to ask them on dates, right? Well, think about it. If you're afraid of rejection and think about what that means, by the way, a fear of rejection is simply a form of attachment to a result. Well, I'm going to say that again. Fear of rejection is just a, a specific form of an emotional attachment to a result. So if you decide, I'm not attached to the results. And now, let's say you're dating. You go, well, it's a, it's a numbers game. It's always a numbers game, right? I'm going to go ask out X amount of people of the opposite sex or get to know them or whatever. And if they say no, buzz off, don't ever talk to me again, that's okay. I'll just, that's, that's another person I talk to and I'm not emotionally attached to my results. So there's no fear of rejection. So now I'm not procrastinating because I, I've made a, a shift. It's flipping a switch in your brain in your emotional consciousness to go, yeah, I'm not, if she says yes, great. If she says no, great. I'm not emotionally attached to the results because I know that if I commit to the process of asking out people of the opposite sex, right, or making phone calls or going to the gym or eating healthier, whatever it is, if I commit to the actions, the process without being emotionally attached to my results, I'm eventually going to get there. Eventually, somebody's going to say yes. Eventually, I'm going to lose a few pounds. Eventually, right, if you stay committed to the process, but if you flip it around and you go, well, I'm so attached to my results. I, I so want this so bad. It has to work out. If it doesn't work out, I'm going to be devastated. You're probably never going to take action. And part of being emotionally unattached or detached from your results is just accepting all things you can't change. And if you've been a long listener to the podcast or you've read my books, you know that's one of the key lessons I talk about, that every detrimental emotion that we ever experience in life is self-created by our resistance to our reality. And the opposite of resistance is acceptance. 
So when you just accept life exactly as it is and accept it in advance, meaning, hey, things are going to come my way that I'm that aren't ideal, that aren't what I wanted, right? But I'm not going to allow something that's out of my control, which once something happens, it's out of your control, right? The done can't be undone. I heard that today um, in an interview. The done can't be undone. UFC fighter's mom told him that. That was a lesson she taught. That was, that was clever. The done can't be undone. So why, what do you, why are you worrying about it, right? You can't change it. The unchangeable can't be changed. You can't go back in time, right? So accept life exactly as it is. And that's part of being committed to the process without being emotionally attached to the results. So I'm going to invite you to, first of all, write that down. You're not going to remember it. You might if your memory is really good. But if it's like mine, you're not going to remember that. So be committed to the process without being emotionally attached to the results. Write that down. And you can write that down. I mean, I believe that is one of the secrets to success. It's been one of the most effective techniques. For me, when I applied that, and you may have heard me share this story before, but I'll, I'll share it briefly. Again, I applied that lesson came to me when I was making phone calls. And it was after a day where I made 20 calls. I had a um, terrible result. Nobody scheduled with me. Like two people hung up on me and bitched me out. And it was it was just really depressing. And I got off the phone going, I, like, I hate the way I feel. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I'm going to go get a regular job where it's just I can just clock in and clock out and collect a paycheck. And I don't have to deal with this emotional roller coaster that I'm always on. And that's why most people, you know, will tell you sales is like one of the hardest professions because it's such a roller coaster of great day, bad day, terrible day, okay day. You know, it's just it's all over the place. And so I was like wanting to quit and change careers, right? And then as I was falling asleep that night, which it's funny, I just how long I just realized that as I'm falling asleep at night, I always have, and you're maybe that you're that way too, but. I just, I get these messages like from, I don't even know where they come from, from the ethos. Like I get these profound messages. That's what leads to my books and everything. But anyway, I had this realization. I went, wait a minute. I'm emotionally attached to my results. And therefore I am not in control of how I feel, right? So by the way, this is, we're talking about outer freedom here, but maybe you caught there that definitely spills over into inner freedom, right? I'm attached to my results. So therefore I'm not in control of my emotional state because I'm emotionally attached to results. And if the results don't go the way I want, then I'm not happy and I'm upset and I'm stressed and I'm depressed and I'm whatever. So I went, hmm, I need to change the way I'm approaching my career, my sales career. I thought, what if I wasn't attached to the results? What if I didn't? care, worry about it. Because I know that over the long run, the results always work out, right? It's called in, in, well, it's not just sales and sports, whatever. It's a law of averages, right? It's, you know, you go up to bat X amount of times. You're, you know, if you bat a hundred times on average, a player's going to, you know, hit 50%, right? Or whatever they're batting. And that's why it's a batting average because the law of averages, right? It's, Hey, this person's been playing baseball for five years and their batting average has been within a few points for that entire time. And you can practice, get a little bit better, but your averages always work out over time within a very small margin. And so I went, well, if I just focus on the process and I just make my calls every day, at the end of the year, as long as I made my 20 calls a day, five days a week, I'm going to sell what, I, what I'm going to sell. And I can do it stress-free. That's the beauty of this secret to success as I'm deeming it, is that not only does it get you to do the thing that you're procrastinating on because of the emotional attachment you have to the outcome that may not go your way, right? Fear of rejection is an emotional attachment to an outcome. 
Fear of failure is an emotional attachment to an outcome. Fear of looking stupid, right? Fear of embarrassment is an emotional attachment to an outcome. And it is our emotional attachment to our outcomes and our results that prevents us from taking action. So again, remember, outer freedom is the ability to get yourself to do what you need to do when you need to do it, whether you feel like it or not, in order to create the results, the outcomes, the circumstances that you want in any or every aspect of your life. And this has been one of the most effective ways to do that. The conscious decision that I'm not attached to the results, but I am committed to the process no matter what. And if you need to use the three, three word mantra that I taught for uh, gosh, two decades now, can't change it, right? When something happens and you start, you find yourself feeling stressed over an outcome that wasn't what you were hoping for, you just say, can't change it. Take a deep breath, can't change it and acknowledge I can't change what just happened. So there's no value in wishing I could. And there's no value in feeling sorry for myself. There's no value in any sort of self-inflicted emotional turmoil, right? I'm just going to accept life exactly as it is. I'm going to be at peace with what happened and I'm going to move on. I'm going to make the next phone call. I'm going to go talk to the next girl or the next guy. I'm going to go, right? I'm going to go back to the gym, even though my, I didn't lose the weight I wanted to this week, right? That was the result. I was hoping to lose four pounds this week. I only lost one. Ah! But I know if I keep working out over an extended period of time for weeks, months, years, and the rest of my life, the averages will always work out. So, That is my number one strategy for you on how to get yourself to do what you need to do even when you don't feel like it. I'm gonna give you one bonus strategy that has been in my toolkit since I read the book Failing Forward by John Maxwell. And John Maxwell teaches the strategy to act your way into feeling. And again, you may have heard me share this one in the past. Never hurts to hear crucial life lessons multiple times unless you're a master. And if you're a master, let me know if I, if I taught it right. So the idea is that most people, John Maxwell says, and I'm of course paraphrasing, but he says most people, they wait to feel their way into action, right? I don't feel like it. And I, I mean, I'm, I just, I don't feel like it. I'm not, I wish I was motivated, right? You hear that from people like, I wish I was motivated. Well, here's the deal. Sitting on your butt, wishing you were motivated will not motivate you, right? Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. But motivation doesn't come out of nowhere. You have to generate it. In fact, one of my mentors, Brendan Burchard, I heard him say at an event, a high-performance academy event, probably seven years ago, five years ago, he talked about motivation and he said, and again, I'm paraphrasing, of course, it goes without saying, I guess, but motivation, he said, he was talking about energy. And I always think energy and motivation, I always say they go hand in hand, right? If you have a lot of energy, you feel motivated. And if you lack energy, good luck mustering up any motivation. So, but he talked about that, whether it's motivation or energy, that our body is like a power plant, right? And a power plant doesn't have energy, right? It's not just, it doesn't just have energy. It produces energy through movement. So in the same way, if you want to be motivated, you have to do something. You've got to move your body. You've got to, you've got to read something. You have to do something to generate motivation, to generate energy. And so John Maxwell talks about people are sitting on their butt, waiting, wishing, wanting that they felt motivated 
to do the thing they need to do. And he said, motivation doesn't work that way. You can't wait to feel your way into action. It's the opposite. You have to act your way into feeling. And so he explained, right, if you're sitting on the couch saying, oh, man, I really should go to the gym. I wish I had the energy and motivation to go to the gym. And then you're thinking about the gym and uh, I don't have the energy to, to lift those weights. I can barely lift myself off the couch right now. However, acting your way into feeling looks something like this. All right, you know what? I'm exhausted and I don't have the energy to work out, but I know I should. So I'm just going to grab my car keys and I'm going to grab my gym bag with my gym clothes and I'm going to tiredly, lazily get into my car and I'm going to drive to the gym, right? So get in your car. You're already have more energy once you got off the couch, grabbed your gym bag and then got into your car. You have more energy and motivation than you did when you were sitting on the couch, right? You started acting your way into feeling and then once you get in the car and you get on the highway, right, maybe roll down the windows or blast the AC, turn up the radio, listen to some fired up music that gets your energy going and your motivation as you continue to act your way into feeling, you start to feel more and more motivated. And then from there, you get into the gym and you grab your gym bag and you're like, all right, I'm here. I guess I'll go inside. You walk inside, you're up, you're breathing, you're moving. Then you open the doors and the music's blasting, the energy from all the people working out on the treadmills and right, it, it's palpable. And you're, you're like, all right, let's do this. And now you're motivated. Now you go put your gym clothes on. And once you start moving on the treadmill, your oxygen intake increases and your energy and your motivation increase as well. So think about, and then you get a great workout in, and then how do you feel about yourself? Probably feel good. I did it. I did it. I got myself to the gym. I worked out. I'm awesome, right? I did it. And all of that, now I want you to think about the journey that we just took. Sitting on the couch, slumped over, feeling tired, with no motivation and no energy, but an hour later, you just finished a killer workout. How did we get from point A to point B? How did we get from not having the feeling you needed to getting the result that you wanted? And it was a simple baby step of grabbing your gym bag and your car keys, even though you were tired, and slumping your way into the car. That's it. That baby step, that first action that was easy. You don't need motivation. It doesn't take, it takes almost no motivation to grab your gym bag, grab your car keys and get in the car. That takes almost no energy or motivation, very little. But that led, that was the action that was acting your way into feeling. And by simply grabbing your gym bag and your car keys and getting in the car with the intention of going to the gym led to you getting a great workout. And I've always said that you know, getting in the best shape of your life is as simple as grabbing your car keys in your gym bag, right? You know, four or five days a week and heading to the gym, even if you don't feel like it. Everything else will work itself out from there. And going back to my example, when I was in sales, when I didn't feel, I learned that lesson. I read Failing Forward when I was probably early, mid 20s. Uh, again, that's a great book by John Maxwell if you want to read it. And so what I would do when I didn't feel like making my calls, which was like all the time, I had an alarm set on my phone and it said, pick up the phone and make one call. And that's what it would say. It would go, a reminder would go off at my scheduled call time, pick up the phone, make a call. And 
the thought of making 20 calls or, you know, when I was in a sales contest, it'd be like 40 calls in a sitting, which is, you know, it's like a lot or feels like a lot. I would just walk over with no energy, no motivation, no confidence. In fact, one of the keys is I wouldn't let myself talk myself out of it. That's what we do, right? We're like, I should go to the gym. Yeah, you know, I went last, like, I could yeah, just wait till tomorrow, right? We, like, the voice of mediocrity gets louder and louder and louder. You know, I should make phone calls and I'll just, I'll just, maybe I'll just make 40 tomorrow, make up for my 20 missed today. And, you know, but what I would do when the alarm went off, I kind of had decided I'm not allowed to put a lot of thought. There's really no thought allowed between the alarm going off and me picking up the phone and dialing the first number because I know that I, my, I'm guilty of my thoughts talking me out of doing the thing that I need to do. And so acting my way into feeling was walking over, picking up the phone, dialing the first number and putting the phone to my ear. And then whatever happened, happened. And what usually happened is somebody answered, right? Hey, hello. And I'm like, oh yeah. And I I do my approach, right? And all of a sudden now I'm energized. I'm motivated. I just talked to somebody. I scheduled an appointment, right? That getting that ball rolling. So that's such been such an important strategy between the main strategy I taught you today, which is to Make a conscious decision to be committed to your process without being emotionally attached to your results. That's been the key strategy for me to get myself to do what I needed to do even when I didn't feel like it. And then the other strategy, which really works well together with the first, is to act your way into feeling. To just ask yourself, what's the what's the first baby step? What's the easiest thing I could do knowing that doing that thing allows me to generate the next level of energy and the next level of motivation to take step number two and step number three, right? Step one leads to two, leads to three, and so on and so forth. So that's my strategy for you, or strategies on outer freedom, the ability to get yourself to do what you need to do when you need to do it, even if you don't feel like it, in order to create the results, outcomes, and circumstances that you want in any or every aspect of your life. and. Now let's talk about inner freedom. And this is the question I've been getting a lot, which is how do you get yourself to feel like how I want to, to choose my experience, right? And I mean, let me say this again, in case you're new to this podcast or new to the concept, inner freedom is the ability to get yourself to feel what you want to feel in each moment. In other words, and actually I often define it as it's the ability to choose how you experience each moment of your life, right? So even if like there's chaos in your life, right? Even if you lost your job and your spouse left you and, right, basically, if there are things in your life that you cannot control, which there, there always are, or if you're just thinking about the state of the world right now, you know, right? And like, oh my gosh, it's so stressful, all the things going on in the world and, you know, and how is this going to affect my future? I don't know. And the future is unknown and all, whatever, whatever it is. It's focusing on things that are out of your control that cause you to feel out of control. And so, Inner freedom is the ability to choose how you experience life. So if I asked you right now, how do you want to feel? Like if you could feel, imagine this, right? Let's play a game for a second. Imagine I was a genie, okay? Imagine I appeared in front of you as a genie. And uh, I said, hey, I can grant you three wishes. And you're excited. Oh my gosh. You start thinking of what you're going to wish for. And then I go, whoa, whoa, but, but, but my power is it's limited. I can only grant you wishes that are related to your mental and emotional well-being, right? So I can only grant wishes on like 
whether you're happy or confident, how you feel. Like I don't have the ability to to grant you wishes. Like I can't make anything in your outer world change. I can't give you a car or a million dollars or the man or woman of your dreams, make them appear like I don't have that power. The only thing I can do is you can wish for any aspect of your mental or emotional well-being, your psyche, anything related to that. You name it, sky's the limit, I can do it. So if I, if I were to do that, you go, okay. First, you'd be disappointed, like, oh, that sucks. I really kind of wanted some, you know, a house and a, a Ferrari and dang it, this is not the cool, this is not like the genie I was hoping for, but whatever, it's better than nothing. So I ask you, what do you wish for? And what would you wish for? Think about it for a second, right? I, I think most people, you know, I'd probably wish, I, I want to be, I just want to be happy. Like if I could feel happy all the time, no matter what was going on around me, I think that'd be pretty cool. Like life would be good, right? No matter what was going on around me, if I was happy, no matter what, then life would be good. Like I would win, right? In fact, Michael Singer in the book, The Untethered Soul, he has a chapter which I've actually read on this podcast. So if you go to the podcast, halelrod.com forward slash podcast and go just type in, I don't even know what it was, what, I don't know what the podcast was called anyway, but I've talked about this, uh, The Untethered Soul. No, no, it's called The Vow of Unconditional Happiness. So go to the podcast page, halelrod.com forward slash podcast and just search vow of happiness and you should find it. There's a search box there. Anyway, that's what Michael Singer talks about. It, it, he goes, do you want to be happy? Everybody says, yeah, as long as blankety, blankety, blank, like as long as all of these circumstances and conditions and people all meet my expectations, then I will be happy. And Michael Singer essentially said, well, no, no, no. I didn't ask, do you want to be happy if everything that's outside of you goes according to plan. I asked just, do you want to be happy? It's a simple yes or no question. And basically his take on it is it's, it's a vow of unconditional happiness. It's like, I want to be happy no matter what. And so therefore I will not allow anyone or anything to affect my happiness, to deter my happiness. I'm in charge of it. I'm going to be happy no matter what. That's what I'm talking about. That's what inner freedom is, your ability to choose your experience. So again, if I go, let's go back to the genie. Remember, I'm a genie. I'm in front of you. I got like the little I don't know what they wear on their head. Is it a turban? I, right? I'm in a GM in a puffy pants. And I ask you, okay, what, what do you want? What's your wish? And you go, all right, I want to be happy. I want to be happy all the time, right? Okay, so now I can't wish for anything outside of me. Okay, so I want to be happy. Yeah, I want confidence. I want to feel confident whenever I interact with other people where I'm like, you know, really just confident and I'm not nervous or insecure or whatever. And uh, what else? What else? What else? I want to think clearly. I want to have clarity. Right? I'm, just, I'm just spitballing here. Right? I'm, I'm, I, these are your wishes. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to project <laughs> my wishes on you. But this is what I'm talking about. Th that is inner freedom, right? You, you have the ability to choose how you want to feel. So again, let's just, let's just play with happy for a second. Imagine if you could be happy all the time, no matter what. And then I have a newsflash for you. You can. You can. Now, I just, as a disclaimer, I don't want to speak to if somebody has chemical imbalances, right? And I also know it's harder. I know that certain people are wired at different happiness baselines. So please, I don't want to be insensitive to any of that. But I will say this, even if your happiness baseline is lower than someone else, than mine or someone else's, right? You can be happy for you, right? I mean, like, you know, some people that are happy are like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy all the time. And then some people are like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Like life's going pretty good, right? It's like, it's like different levels of different baselines. But the point is you do have the ability to choose how you experience life. 
And I'm not saying it's as easy as snapping your fingers and going, yeah, I want to be happy. You have to recondition it, right? That's kind of what the miracle morning, that's a, that's what it is. It's it, the miracle morning is a daily practice for you to condition the mindset and the habits, right? Mindset, inner world, habits, outer world. So the miracle morning is your daily practice to condition the mindset and the habits that you aspire to. So if you, and, and you may remember, if you read the miracle morning, I talked in there about when I first learned about affirmations, I was skeptical. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try this. I thought, what's my biggest limiting belief? And my biggest limiting belief at the time I identified as a bad memory because I had brain damage from my car accident. And I, you know, I literally had physical damage that caused my frontal lobe not to operate at full capacity. And I had a terrible memory or that's what I told myself. And I had all the evidence to back it up. Right. And so I started an affirmation that said, I am committed and I'm going, I'm, I'm also paraphrasing because it's been a long time, but it was something like I'm committed to improving my memory. Actually, I think it started out with the human brain is a miraculous, limitless organism. And I am committed to improving my memory every day and getting better and better and better until I have the best memory I've ever had before. It was something like that, right? And by the way, a little bonus lesson, I always, I never word affirmations and say, I am or I have if it's something I don't resonate with as true. Meaning old school affirmations would be like, just tell yourself, I have a great memory. I have a great memory. I have a great memory. That might work. But for me, if I go, I have a great memory. And then I'm like, but everything inside me says, no, I don't. I That'd be a lie. I, I don't have a good memory. I, I have it was in a car accident. I have brain damage, right? I've got this whole story about why my memory's not good. So for me, it's always worded with I am committed to having a great memory, right? So I'm committed to having a great memory, very different than I have one if I feel like I don't, right? It's like saying, you know, I have a huge muscular, I have a six pack abs. If you don't, it's like, well, no, you don't. Why don't you just affirm that you're committed to getting a six, developing a six pack abs through hard work and exercise? It's like, oh, yeah that might be more effective and more believable. So it was about a month, maybe 20 something days into me reading that affirmation every day. And I read it with an energy and enthusiasm and belief and faith. And I remember my buddy, Jeremy Caton, one of my best friends, he said, he called me, he's like, Hal, will you remember to call me tomorrow morning about something? And I said, yeah, no problem. And I hung up the phone with him and I went, Whoa. Now to you, that story doesn't sound amazing, but if someone for the last, at that point, I, it was like six, seven years after my car accident for those six or seven years, if you said, Hey, will you remember to do anything? If I was ever asked to rely on my memory, the answer was always the same. Now, dude, sorry, I have, I have brain damage or, you know, I have brain damage. Like I'm, I'm not, <laughs> uh, you can't, you can't count on my memory. So I have the worst memory. That was my belief. That was my reality. That was my response. I have a terrible memory. So when he asked me to remember something, and because I'd been affirming it for the 20 or 30 days, unconsciously, I had shifted my unconscious belief around my memory. And I went, sure, no problem. That was like, that was radical for me at the time. It was, it was significant. And I went, whoa, these affirmations are actually working. And then in the morning, I, you know, I called him and whatever, but uh, but that was like the beginning of getting my memory back. And then, of course, I got cancer and I went through chemotherapy and it damaged my brain in my mind more than the car accident. And now I'm struggling with my memory again. 
Which, as I'm saying that out loud, I had the same thought that you probably did, which is like, uh, Hal, sounds like you need to recreate some affirmations around your memory getting better from chemo. It's like, all right, okay, I will. Leave me alone. Yeah, but I do. But the point is, I'm telling you, I believe that you have the ability to choose how you experience your life in any given moment. And to do that, you've got to, number one, decide how you want to feel. I shared this uh, two or three weeks ago on the podcast. I think it was on the live in the present moment one, but decide how you want to feel. You have to decide. Again, I'm the genie. What's your wish? You wish to feel what? To believe what? To think what? Do you want to feel happy? Have more confidence? Right? You you better get clarity. You have to decide consciously how you want to feel. And then you have to align your thoughts, words, and actions with feeling that way. I'm telling you, that's it. And I'm going to give you a tip. At night, this is the simplest miracle evening you'll ever have. Like I, I get asked that a lot. And I did a podcast a long time ago on a miracle evening. It was different than what I'm going to share now. It was a little more little little more complex in terms of like a, a multi-step, you know, write in your journal, do these things. But here's the simplest miracle evening. And this is actually normally what I do. All I do is as I'm falling asleep at night, I just think or or often I'll I'll talk to God. So it's it's either I just think these thoughts or I, I actually direct them toward a a higher power. But I just think about all the things that I'm grateful for. And I actually find that when I when I bring God into the mix and I I actually add not just thinking of the things I'm grateful for, but thanking God for the things, there's that gives it more juice for me. I'm not sure it it impacts me. It makes a greater impact on me. Not exactly sure why, but it does. So God, thank you for Ursula. And I'll just sit there for a minute and I'll just picture my wife and I'll just smile and I'll just feel deeply grateful for her. And then I'll say, thank you for Sophie. And I'll usually try to be specific. So like, for example, the other day, my daughter and I had the best time ever playing with her dolls. It's something I have maybe never done. And I was oblivious to how important that was to her. And I was feeling disconnected to her. And I was like, what do I, I need to figure out what to do. And my wife was like, you got Hal, stop inviting her to do stuff that she doesn't want to do. I was always trying to create like, hey, let's go zip lining. And she's like, I don't want to. And I was like, "That's what about this? And she's like, no, thanks. Not interested. And I was like, I felt like I couldn't, I can't get through. I feel powerless. And my wife was reminding me, she goes, look, this is an important lesson for all of us. Look, go figure out what she's up to and then go do that with her. Stop trying to invite her to do stuff you want to do or you think she might want to do. Just go figure out what she's doing. And so I went in her room. I was like, what are you doing? She's like, play my dolls. And then I sat on the floor with her and I'm like, tell me about them. And I cannot tell you what a breakthrough this was in our relationship. And for me, I, I felt afterwards, I, not, I mean, I mostly felt, you know, so happy, so grateful, just so, so happy to feel so connected to my daughter after um, I had felt disconnected for a while. I felt like I couldn't get on the same page. And then that night as I was falling asleep, I just thought about that. I said, God, thank you so much for the realization I had and the breakthrough and be playing with Sophie and, and, and our connection. And, uh, and actually that night, by the way, she asked me, she invited me to sleep in her bed. She's like, hey, you want to sleep over? Want to sleep in my bed? Which is just a huge sign of how connected she felt, right? Which was just amazing. So best night ever. But anyway, back to the, the miracle evening, I just go through and I think of things I'm grateful for and I thank God for those things until I fall asleep. 
I just keep going. I just keep thinking and thinking, right? There you go. There's, there's a memory or a little mnemonic device. Thinking and thinking. Before bed, just think or thank God for what you are grateful for. And often, at least for me, and I'd imagine for you, most of us, many of us, our mind races at night, especially if you have things in your life that are stressful, that you're allowing to cause you stress. Let me rephrase that. Or that are causing you stress. We tend to think of those at night and we can't sleep. We can't turn our brain off and we're thinking of what we got to do the next day. And we're thinking of what went wrong that day, right? Like, no, 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 no. I'm giving you permission that when it when you lay down, put your head on the pillow, flip the switch and go, yeah, I got a lot of shit I could worry about. I got a lot of stuff I could stress about, but I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I, got, I got all day tomorrow. Right now, my job is to go to sleep and I might as well feel good while I'm doing it, which will, by the way, I don't have any studies on this, but I would be willing to bet that this will improve your quality of sleep. I've been sleeping great lately, actually. And when I, and last year in the middle of 2020, when I was experiencing anxiety and stress, I was, I, I, you know, I slept terribly. I was sleeping for two, two to four hours a night. And of course I went to bed feeling stressed and anxious and all the things. And now I've been sleeping seven hours a night, eight hours a night, every night. And it's, it feels great. And I think there's a big part of it. So I just wanted to throw that out there that I think a big part of, you know, an aspect of inner freedom of choosing how you experience any moment of your life. Uh, well, at night while you're going to sleep is a crucial part of choosing your experience. It's a crucial, crucial time in the day to choose how you're going to experience those moments before you fall asleep. You're either going to go to sleep with spiked cortisol levels, which explains why I wasn't sleeping last year, because I would spike the cortisol all day and keep it going at night when my head hit the pillow, and then I wouldn't sleep, versus releasing the feel-good chemicals like serotonin and dopamine by focusing on what you have to be grateful for and really feeling it and naming it and thanking, expressing gratitude for those things. All right, I want to do one little exercise with you. And I wrote this rough draft of this for the new book that I'm working on. So it's very unpolished, but I'm just going to read this to you. All right, now you understand what true freedom is, but you might be thinking that it sounds easier said than done. Now, it's true. Since we've experienced life lived through the lens of fear for much, if not most of our lives, it can be difficult to imagine life feeling any other way. But we have had glimpses of what it feels like when we've experienced carefree timelessness and felt truly happy and free from fear. In order to help you access that place of true freedom, I'm going to ask you some questions. Anytime you want to access true freedom, and I recommend doing this for your true freedom meditation, you can simply ask yourself these four questions. I think there's seven of them here. I don't know what. <laughs> Again, this is rough draft. Ask yourself these questions and you instantly can be transported to a state of, <laughs> this is funny, I must have recorded this voice text because it says you can be transported to a state that can more easily access true freedom. I think it meant to say can more. Anyway, first I'm going to ask you the questions and invite you to take a few minutes to consider your answers to each of them one by one. Then I'm going to give you the questions a second time, only worded in the first person so that you can use them on a daily basis yourself. What are your answers to the following questions? Number one, 
are there aspects of your life and the world that you can't change? Now, while this is a rhetorical question, I guess in some ways, or it is, think of those things in your life that you can't change, but that cause you stress, right? So are there aspects of your life and the world that you can't change? The answer, of course, is yes. But for you personally, as you're listening right now, like what are some of those? What are some of the things that you find yourself thinking about that rob you of your inner freedom? Think about that, by the way. When you think of things that cause you stress that are out of your control, you are handing over your inner freedom. Those thoughts about things you can't change are robbing you of that inner freedom, robbing you of your joy. So first, think of some of those things right now in your life and in the world that you can't change that cause you stress. You don't need to don't dwell on them. Just identify just one or two or three right now. Second question. Will there always be aspects of your life and the world that you can't change? And yes, it's rhetorical, but it's important that you acknowledge that. Yeah, there will always be aspects of our life and the world that we can't change, that are out of our control. In fact, you could argue there's way more in life that's out of our control. The only thing we really have control over is ourselves. We don't have control over the 7 billion people on the planet. We don't have control over the weather. We don't have control over the past. We don't have, right, like there, there's so many, you don't have control over current, I mean, like there's so many things. There's so many things that we don't have control over. And when you focus on that which is out of your control, you feel, that's right, out of control. Question number three, do you want to live your life constantly experiencing destructive emotions such as stress, worry, fear, etc.? Or do you want to feel happy and enjoy this one life you've been given? Again. Do you want to live your life constantly experiencing destructive emotions such as stress, fear, worry, anger, etc.? Or do you want to feel happy and enjoy this one life you've been given? I'm guessing I know your answer, but I want you to sit with that for a second. Do you want to live your life experiencing those destructive emotions? Or do you want to feel happy and enjoy this one life you've been given? Question number four. Does it serve you to live in a perpetual state of wishing things were different that can't be different? at least not in the moment you're resisting them. And ask you that again. Does it serve you to live in a perpetual state of wishing things were different, things that are out of your control that can't be different, at least not in the moment you're, you're, you're resisting them, right? Meaning maybe you go, you go well, but no, no, they, they can be different. I, I can change. I can change. Okay, you, yeah, you can change anything. But this moment, life is as it is. This moment, your weight is what it is. You can either accept that and be at peace with it and be motivated to change it, right? Or you can be angry and stressed out and frustrated and shameful and depressed and and embarrassed, right? Either way, your weight is what it is. You get to choose how you experience your weight. Doesn't mean that you go, yeah, I, I don't, and I'm using weight as a random example, but right, it doesn't mean that you go, yeah, I'm I'm really overweight and unhealthy, and I'm gonna accept it, and it's just fine as it is. No, you go, I'm at peace with my weight as it is, but I also am not okay with it, so therefore I'm going to proactively take action. I'm gonna I'm gonna apply the outer freedom strategies, right? I'm gonna commit to the process of exercising without being emotionally attached to my results. I'm gonna act my way into feeling to get into the gym, and I'm gonna lose this weight, but I'm gonna enjoy every moment. You see the difference? I'm going to enjoy my life, the one life I've been given, while I change the things that I'm not so pleased with. I'm going to ask that question one more time. 
Does it serve you to live in a perpetual state of wishing things were different that can't be different, at least not in the moment you're resisting them? Right? So your bank account balance is what it is. You might not be happy with your satisfied with your bank account balance, but you can either change it feeling inner turmoil, or you can be happy, grateful, at peace, motivated, excited. That's inner freedom. You choose how you experience every moment of your life as if the genie were saying you can feel any way you want. You want to be happy? Great. Happy all the time? Great. Does that mean you're not going to change things? No, of course you're going to change things. But be happy while you change those things. Don't change them out of fear and depression and anxiety. Change them out of aspiration and excitement and motivation and clarity and love and drive. Question five, how do you want to feel? And and I actually asked you this question earlier, so we'll just be re-asking it. How do you want to feel if you could choose any emotion or set of emotions, peaceful, happy, grateful, et cetera, motivated, how do you want to feel? All right, so we already asked that earlier, so I'm going to keep going. Number six, are you committed to taking responsibility for your inner state and how you feel and being proactive to create your inner and outer freedom each day? And ask that again. Are you committed to taking responsibility for your inner state? Now, what does that mean? That means not blaming. Well, of course I'm upset. Look at my life. Of course I'm angry. Look at what is being done to me or to people I love. Of course I'm, I'm scared. Look at what's happening in the world. And my, that's blaming outside forces for how you're feeling. And I always say the simplest way to break through that is to go two different people could be experiencing the exact same trauma. One person lets it defeat them mentally and emotionally, and the other person rises up and is inspired and motivated to learn and grow and overcome and become a better version of who they are. Same trauma, same tragedy, same challenge. But each of the two people get to choose their internal experience of life. And last but not least, this is a bonus question. But but wait, actually, before I move on, I got to ask that last one again. Are you committed to stop blaming anything outside of yourself for how you feel? It's not their fault how you feel. They might be doing something, but you get to decide how you feel. You might not like what they're doing. You might even hate what they're doing. But that doesn't mean that you need to experience hate inside of you. So are you committed to taking responsibility for your inner state and how you feel and then being proactive to create your inner and outer freedom each day? Those questions, if you want to rewind and write them down, of course you can. Hopefully my producer will put them in the show notes. I don't do the show notes. So I'm asking if you're, whoever's editing this podcast team, please put these questions in the show notes. I would really appreciate that. And this will be at halelrod.com forward slash 393 if you want to go check out the show notes. And the bonus question is one that my coach, former coach Janai Lane used to tell me. She goes, what would be here now if there wasn't a problem to solve? Because my brain was always trying to solve problems, either in my own life or in the world. And, and, and when I had anxiety, I hired her and she goes, how, what would be here if there wasn't a problem to solve? And the answers that came up for me, I went, perfection, love, harmony, bliss. And she said, then that's what's here. And whatever you're experiencing, 
you're creating it. You're distracting yourself from those things you just said are actually here because you're trying to solve problems all the time and you're living in a state of problem solving all the time. She said, but that's not your natural state. Your natural state, you just told me what it was, right? What would be here now if there wasn't a problem to solve? You just said there'd be peace, there'd be love, there'd be joy, there'd be perfection, there'd be harmony. She said, why don't you live there? And that was a breakthrough. And that that was really what I think that may have been what led me down the journey of like inner freedom. Yeah, wait a minute. I can choose what state I live in mentally and emotionally. I can and spiritually, I can choose how I experience life. And so can you. So again, outer freedom is your innate ability. It's already within you to do what you need to do when you need to do it, whether you feel like it or not, in order to create the results, outcomes, and circumstances that you want for your life. And inner freedom, equally as important, is the ability to get yourself to feel what you want to feel in each moment, to choose how you experience each moment of your life, regardless of what's going on outside of you, in your life. And I truly believe that we all deserve freedom. Right now, our freedom is being tested by the outer world. And so now is the time to double down on doing the things in your life that will produce as much freedom as you can possibly have in terms of your circumstances, creating the results and outcomes that you want for you and for the people that you love. And while you're exercising your right to outer freedom, Please exercise your right to that inner freedom because you deserve to feel the way that you want to feel. Maybe not the way you've been feeling, but the way you intentionally choose to feel. Because today, remember, I'm your genie. You get three wishes, but it's all around how do you experience every moment of your life? We have one life to live. I hope you're enjoying yours. My heart goes out to you for all of your struggles that you may be facing. Seriously, truly. And unfortunately, I can't reach out and, and do anything to change the circumstances in your life right now, other than share what I've shared today. Hopefully, that gets you into action to, to improve your life in any way you want to improve it. But the one thing you can take action on almost immediately is you can decide how you want to feel. You can put that in writing, you can create an affirmation to align your thoughts, words, and actions with the experience of life that you want to have because that's your right and that's your freedom. Friends, family, goal achievers, members of the Miracle Morning community, I love you. I appreciate you so much. And uh, thanks for spending time with me today. And I will talk to y'all next week. Take care. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 